Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our teaching in the book, Under His Influence, Yielding to the Work of the Holy Spirit, as we look at preparing a place for the Lord. The book is by Lloyd Pulley of Calvary Chapel Old Bridge. This is the first half of a two-part study. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so what we see here is, is he's talking about in light of Jesus what he has done, right? We have boldness to enter the sanctuary. Uh, and and what, what that means is like to understand like the, in the Old Testament, they had the Holy of Holies all the way up until the crucifixion when the veil's torn from top to bottom. And that's done to remind us that it's torn from God to man, not man to God. And, and so it's to remind us that you have access to God 24-7. And, and, and that the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you and wants to, to make a home. He gave a quote of Andrew Murray that said, True revival means nothing less than... A revolution, casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God, his love, triumph in the heart and life. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 says, Who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So where does the Holy Spirit reside? In our hearts. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For it flows the springs of life. Spro uh, flows the, the springs of life. And Jesus said it to when he was talking to the religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 12 verse 34. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And then Jeremiah chapter uh, 17 verse 9 says. The heart is deceitfully above all things. Desperately sick. Who can understand it? God. God can. God can. The word actually that's, that's there as, as we uh, talk about the heart, he's not talking about just the physical organ of blood that pumps, right? He's talking about the center of your life where you have emotions uh, and, and the scripture attributes, the understanding of thoughts, emotions, judgments, motives, desires, and affections to the heart. They all spring out of one place. And it's, that, that, it's in that strategic place where the Holy Spirit takes up residence. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love. So the Holy Spirit takes residence in that believer when they give their life to the Lord. When they ask Christ into their heart and they choose to, to follow Jesus, it's at that moment. And so we, we learn that the Lord filled the temple. He talked about the Lord filling the temple in every inch of the space. And the people would stand outside in awe, praising and worshiping the Lord. In 13, chapter 8, verse 11, it says, So that the priest could not stand to minister because the cloud, for the glory of the Lord, filled the house of the Lord. See, one of the things he had talked about is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had actually, when he uh, becomes king, he takes over, he actually does a 180-degree turn for the country. He turns them back to God. They had fallen into sin. And Hezekiah was a good king. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, it says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. So he decided it was time to clean the temple. That was part of the problem. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 3, it said, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Hezekiah decided to make a covenant. And I love this because he was just a teenager. He was young. I always tell the youth, whenever I teach at the youth retreat, I always try to remind them that, like Daniel and Hezekiah, the teenagers, they were more faithful than some of the parents and God. And some of the people in Israel that were supposed to be following God, Hezekiah was doing that. He's actually telling them, we need to make a covenant with God. In my heart, I'm going to make a covenant with the Lord. The God of Israel, in order that the fierce anger may turn away from us. In 2 Chronicles 29.10. That's a, a, a great scripture for the United States of America right now. We need to make a covenant again with God. Because I, I truly believe some of the things that are happening in our country is because of our sinful nature. And the things that we've done as a country. And Lord knows, maybe it's going to be a teenager that stands up and points the way. It can happen. He's a young adult. And so this young child had seen the, the, the war, had seen the, the enemy actually do unspeakable, unspeakable things in Jerusalem. And he stands up and says, no, we need to turn back to God. So when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, we do what? When Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, heart, cardia is the word, so all those verses I gave to you before, Ephesians chapter 3, 17, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, all of those are talking about cardia, the heart. It is the center, the seat of spiritual life. Now, I'm not smart. All I did was go to Blue Letter Bible and look up the word. Okay, you can do the same thing. But when I was looking at this, and I'm looking at scripture after scripture that Lloyd Pulley's given, I was like, what does that word heart mean in the Greek? What does it mean? It, it simply means that. It's the center and the seat of spiritual life. The soul and mind. It is the fountain and the seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors. And so when you ask Christ into your heart, the cardia... You're saying you have reign over all of that. It's all yours. My passions become yours. 
Like, I, I want to be led to do what your passions are, not mine. Like, Lord, give me a calling and show me what, what I'm supposed to be doing. My desire should be what? His. My appetites. And we're not talking about food. My appetites for the things of the world should be His. Not chasing the worldly things. And so that word cardia, it goes on to say, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So unless we're willing to allow, because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, He is not going to force Himself upon you. He will not do that. You have free will. And this is free will gets a lot of people in trouble. That's where you free will gets you into temptation and sin and does all kinds of things. And you got to be careful of that. He's wanting full residence. Like he, he, just as it, he filled the temple, he wants to fill the temple of your heart. But are you going to allow him to? Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rock was split. We have to remember that our body is the temple. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So the question you have to ask, have you neglected your home? That's one of the questions you have to ask yourself as you're going through this chapter. Is the temple needing repair? Has the light grown dim within? Have you begun to neglect the house of the Lord? And think about it. You, you know, I, I had posted this on Monday. It's from the book. It's neglect occurs when we simply do nothing long enough. What's that other quote that we all know very well? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. You do the same thing over and over, and you expect some kind of change that's supposed to happen. It's not going to happen. He talks about the garage, and man, I tell you what, a lot of people in the United States have problems with their garages. They just, and, and they have no clue how they got filled up. They just opened another storage place here in town. They just opened another storage place near where I live. I'm like, we have problems with stuff. Like, we don't have enough place to put our own stuff, that we got to have another place to put stuff. And it's like, I... I can tell you many times where the garage has been clean and then over a six-month period, I'm like, what happened? It just, somebody puts this in there, somebody puts that in there, and then next thing you know, you can't walk in your garage. You can't even put the car in the garage. And so we need to be careful with, with our hearts because he's telling you if you neglect it, right? If you neglect it, neglect occurs when you simply do nothing long enough. When you neglect your relationship with God, it affects what comes out of your heart. The way you speak, um, the way you act, your passions become worldly. It's, it, you know, it, it happens. I love what Second Chronicles 29, I would recommend reading Second Chronicles 29 through 32, Hezekiah. It's a great, great story, but you see the things that they had to do. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 4 says, He brought, the, brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord and the God of your fathers. Carry out the filth from the holy place. 
carry the filth out. They've been worshiping false gods. King Josiah, when they were cleaning out the temple, because this happens time and time again with Israel and with us. In 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8, it says, I, Helikiah, the, the high priest, said to Shaphani, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. They lost the word of God. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah was only gone for a few years. And he comes back and he has to do some, do some work because they've already allowed the temple uh, to be misused. And, and uh, the sacrifices, everything had been placed on, on hold because of the high priest and someone who was not even supposed to be in the temple was in the temple. And Nehemiah 13, verses 7 through 9, and, and, and he came to Jerusalem, then I discovered the evil Elishab had done for Tobiah, who's not even supposed to be in the temple at all, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. He, he, made, he let him take residence. And it tells you in the first verses that they're not even supposed to be in the temple. But yet he allowed this to happen. And that was, the high, that was the high priest that allowed this to happen. And he goes, And I was very angry, and I threw all the household furniture of Dubai out of the chamber. Some of y'all need to do that with your hearts today. There's some stuff that just needs to be thrown out. Then I gave the orders that they cleanse the chambers, and I have brought back their vessels in the house of God with grain offering and frankincense. Because this happened, temple worship stopped. Because of this one sin, it affected all these people. And it's a reminder to us that our sin affects a lot of people. It doesn't just impact yourself. And we read about this and we see these temples being cleaned out and the cleansing that's happening. It's a reminder to us that God wants to transform our hearts. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is past. Stop trying to put the old stuff back in the temple. Well, I'm allowed to be angry. Let me put it back in the temple. I'm allowed to watch pornography. It can come back in the temple. Those things happen, and they need to go. And, and there's a number of other things that we can allow in there, we, we, and we get comfortable with them being in there. You just start ignoring the garage just like we do now, right? If I don't see the garage, I don't know about the garage, and that's what you do. That little bit of room in your heart has been closed off and, and God, you haven't given God access to it. And you stay away from it because you don't want to deal with it either. The only way a room's going to get clean is you clean the room. Right? That's, and that's what happens. So he, they, they dealt with that and they got rid of everything. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find out. If there's clutter in your heart. There's things that are going on. You're struggling with alcohol or drugs or pornography. Or, or, or there's those acceptable sins like pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. See, we, we want to think those are small sins. There are no small sins with God. They're all sin. Every one of them. And the Lord knows the motive of your heart. You're not hiding that from Him. So if you're angry or bitter or you have resentment... Or you have unforgiveness that you're not willing to let go of. These things are sins. And they need to, they need to be let go of your heart. They, they actually, you keep them around long enough, your heart will start to harden. And, and that's how people that, you, you have people that are in sin and you go, why are they still in sin? It's because they've allowed their heart to harden. 
They're not listening to the Holy Spirit no more. What does God say in Romans chapter 1, verse 26? He'll give them up to a, a debased mind. God gives them over to it because that's what they're doing. And, and, and until they're pressed, and, and I'll, I'll give a for instance because I was listening to this, this. I was listening to Pastor Joe. I was editing his radio, and he had spoke on Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie Frisbee um, was an unbelievable evangelist uh, during the Jesus movement. And Lonnie um, decided at some point he was gay and lived the lifestyle, walked away from God. I mean, he belonged to God still because he had given his life to Christ. But at some point in his sinful nature, Lonnie got AIDS in the 80s. And he repented and asked Christ to, to forgive him of his sins. Sad part is, when Chuck did his funeral, Pastor Chuck, he told him, he goes, Lonnie was a Samson of a man. The thing that, that, that got a hold of Lonnie and controlled him, his flesh. He was not willing to give up the thing that, that his flesh wanted, the world wanted, his passion. And see, when, when we're talking about this chapter, he's talking about you're actually cleaning the stuff out of your heart. But are you really willing to do that? And that, it doesn't matter that it's that sin. It can be any sin. And you can be a Samson of a man, Right? Because you can, you can allow your flesh to control you just as much. I know people that, that to this day, they think their anger is something they're allowed to have. And it's a sin. And when it impacted my family multiple times, that's a toxic person. I ain't got no time for them. And you go, well, wait a minute. You're a pastor. I'm going to invest in the people that I can invest into, the plants that I can water, the fruit that I can see grow, because that's my job. I can't invest in somebody who's not willing to. Look, I'll counsel you all day, but if you're not willing to, con to be convicted, you don't need counseling. You're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. I, I, Teresa sent me this thing, and I was listening to it this week. I was like, wow. Do we invest in people? Yes. It, I, man, all day long. But, man, I, I, I can tell you personally, there was a family that we tried to minister to for six years. Probably one of the most toxic families that I've ever been around. From husband, wife, to kids. The kids were, and they're all, I think some of them are selling drugs and been in and out of jail. We tried everything to counsel them. We, I mean, we invested and invested. And, and what happens is when you do that, you start becoming toxic. Because you start getting upset because they're not doing, well, when are they going to get this? And you start getting prideful and upset and self-righteous. And you got to be careful. You just gotta, I'm just saying, you got to be careful. Because what happens is that stuff starts taking residence in your heart. I remember bluntly telling, telling him, because it was the same thing. He would go to a men's retreat, and oh my God, I'm freaking, you know, and it was like floodgates. And then three weeks later, back doing the same thing. And the kids didn't see any change in their father, so they just did what they, they did. It happens. I remember doing this book during that period with him. And he was not willing to let go of the things that were going on in his heart. He wasn't let, willing to let go of the sin, the stealing at work. Then he got, I better stop there because I don't want to put too much out. Because it's funny, when the kid stole something from him, he got upset. Because, where did he learn it from? You. You're doing the same thing. He learned it from you. 
So all these things that are going on with our attitudes, with our, 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 our passions, all these things cannot be wrapped up in the world. I want you to invest in people that are, are growing, meaning that they're, they're actually, they're dis- they can be discipled. Now you're going to have people that come into your life that, are, that come into your life and they're not toxic. They just need faith. And they're willing to sit with you, listen with you, pray with you, do all those things. And you invest in them. You spend time with them. You love on them. You know, at the end of the day, I, I know people. And I, whenever I see them, I love on them. They don't need me to give them a sermon. They already know. They know already. I've known them for years. And they know that they're in sin. They don't need me to beat them over the head with the Bible. So what I do is I love on them. And I just pray, Lord, at some point, get to them. Reach them. Draw them back. That's what, we, that's what we pray for. Now, do I go do picnics and stuff with them? No. I'm not doing all that. But if, we, if we're at a place and we're at dinner, I'm going to make sure I walk over and say hi to them and ask them how they're doing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing. It's, and I'll, I'll, you know what I'll do is I'll post that. It's actually on Focus on the Family. So I don't want y'all to think I went off on a, a tangent. It was actually something on Focus on the Family. It's a two-parter. It's a knock to the teeth, man, in a good way. When I tell you that, it's like sometimes we need to, like, wake up. Wake up. When somebody's demanding stuff from you, and, and you've been investing in them, and they're demanding, like, demanding stuff. Why aren't you doing this? Why haven't we done that? How come you made that decision? What it, that's not your business. That's between me and God. It's toxic. Why am I going to invest time? with somebody who's not willing to change that's just carrying their sin from place to place we have to be careful with that and so if we if we actually say that the holy spirit's going to dwell in in our hearts and be the center of our spiritual life that means that our thoughts our passions our desires our appetites our affections our purposes our endeavors are all for him and I'm going to tell you, we're going to get into some very hard things this weekend. Because we have to talk about render to Caesar what is Caesar and God's what, what belongs to God. And those are hard things because you're talking about authority. And people don't want to, they, they don't want to give up some of this stuff. And, and if, if you want your relationship to grow, you need to be willing to say, hey, Lord, it's painful, for it, but it needs to go. You're going to have to help me with it. Because I've gotten really comfortable being able to go outside and yell and scream. It's just become something I do now. And there's a comfort in it. Let me tell you, what, you know, for early on in Christ, that was one of the things I had to work on. So what's the challenge for our walk? He gave us four things. What is on my heart? What is on my lips? What is on my mind? And what is on display in my life? And let me tell you something. That last one. If I want to know how your walk is, I just need to talk to your family. They know what's on display. This is where Christians struggle. I'm not saying here in this church, but I'm saying this is where Christians struggle because the life that they live at church is not the life they live in their house. And it's evident to the people in the house. And so what is on display? You are a walking, talking billboard for Jesus Christ. And it's not just on Sunday and Wednesday. It's all the time. I got upset with a lady at, uh, at uh, Walmart 
three or four months ago. I had, I, I mean, she, she was rude. And I, I was like, why would you, why are you acting like that? And I walked back in. I was like, you know what, ma'am, I'm sorry. I said, I think I'm in a rush. And I took it wrong. I'm, I apologize. I went back in and apologized because I was like, I realized what I was doing was no different than what she was doing. Her flesh was out. My flesh came out. Remember the thing about the dogs? Which one are you feeding? The spirit or the flesh? You need, hey, if, if, and God convicted me quickly, like, you need to go back in and apologize. You are a pastor in this area. Regardless of who you are, your testimony is on display all the time. And it, it's not just Mike's, it's yours too. If we claim to be Christian, our, our, we are to display that. So what is on my heart, you know, as he talks about that, you know, can you truly say the, the deepest longing of your life is to be in his presence? Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light and you'll find it. Uh, we hope that you enjoy today's broadcast. If you'd like to give to this ministry, uh, what I would always suggest is give to this radio station it's because of this radio station that we have great expository teachers uh, for you and i would say um, make that donation to them i hope that you have a wonderful wonderful day god bless you remember you can find us at calvarydivine.org calvarydivine.org god bless you